Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, friends. I hope that you're all feeling amazing and vibrant and that you are having a great start to your month so far and carrying over with you only the insights and wisdom that you have gained from the previous month and leaving whatever is no longer serving you behind. This week, we are talking all about what it means to have emotional regulation. And the reason this particular topic is important is because regardless of whether or not we decide to show up and participate in our own lives, the larger and more collective web of life is continually and naturally unfolding all around us. And every single human being in the span of their lifetime will experience certain situations or circumstances that will feel completely outside of their control. And most of these unexpected life events end up impacting our emotional well-being. And sometimes they impact us so significantly to the point where some people never really recover from certain major life events. And so one of the biggest challenges we face as human beings is learning how to ride the waves of life more gracefully. And we do this by becoming more emotionally resilient so that we can bounce back from a loss, a setback, or feeling let down by those around us or life in general. And this idea is often referred to as emotional intelligence, which has five key components, one of which is self-regulation. So self-regulation involves having both an awareness of and the ability to manage your thoughts, emotions, and behavior in order to achieve your goals. And it's also the ability to bounce back from various life circumstances as well. Now, emotional regulation in particular is the ability to manage or control your strong emotional impulses. So in a sense, emotional regulation allows you to course correct so that instead of allowing your emotions to control you and cause you to act in a way that you will later regret, emotional regulation means you have the ability to recognize your emotional impulses and achieve a different outcome. So the key difference between emotional regulation versus dysregulation is in the former, you have control over your emotions and in the latter, your emotions have control over you. So before we get into it, let's go over what emotions are in the first place. So emotions can be described as a physiological response to an external stimuli. So this means that something happens in our environment that causes this neurophysiological change within our body. So emotions are experienced in the body at the level of our senses. So what this means is that if you are triggered by something external, you may feel like your heart is racing, you are sweating all over, blood is rushing to your face, or your breathing begins to change all of which are biological responses to that initial trigger. And something to keep in mind is that emotions exist for our basic survival in that they help us learn and initiate action when it's required. 
And why this is important is because if there is a threat to our survival, our emotional state is preparing us to either fight or flee from that threat. Now, if emotions are felt in the body, our feelings, on the other hand, play out in our mind. So feelings are the mental associations and reactions that we give to our emotions. So our feelings are a conscious mental process and are often caused by our emotions, while our emotions most often are unconscious and arise in response to an external stimuli or an identifiable cause. So where feelings can often be hidden, emotions can be seen through a physical reaction in the body. So emotions are short-lived and abrupt, while feelings are longer lasting and build very gradually. And if the feeling persists long enough, it becomes a mood or a state of being. And because our mood is milder and longer lasting, it's often difficult to identify the original cause. Now, there are only a handful of primary emotions, which include anger, fear, happiness, sadness, disgust, and surprise. And things like irritability, frustration, jealousy, excitement, resentment, or loneliness are all feelings. And if any of you are interested, I will link a resource in the show notes on my website that maps out emotions and feelings on a wheel. So you can really trace back a feeling to a core primary emotion. Now, in order for something to be an emotional trigger, it must have relevance for us because we aren't all going to be triggered by the same things. And most of our triggers, as we have discussed in the past, are rooted in previous traumatic experiences. So in terms of neurobiology of emotions, we have the involvement of the lower brainstem, the hypothalamus and thalamus, and the limbic system. And in particular, the key limbic structure that plays a critical role in the emotional expression, which is the amygdala. Now, when it comes to regulating our emotions in particular, we are mainly concerned with the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex of the brain and in particular, the relationship between these two structures. So let's briefly cover what they do and why this is important when it comes to emotional regulation. So the amygdala is responsible for our emotional reactions, and it responds to threats in the environment, while the prefrontal cortex is responsible for our executive functions like planning, decision-making, problem-solving, self-control, and acting with long-term goals in mind. And if some of you remember in episode three titled limiting beliefs, I mentioned that the developmental and maturation of the prefrontal cortex occurs primarily during adolescence and is fully accomplished by 25 years of age. So this access between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex develops in adulthood. So because the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed in childhood, the amygdala is very reactive to the environment. And this is why children are not good at emotional regulation and will often have what most people call temper tantrums because they're acting from the level of the amygdala alone and unable to rationalize their emotions through higher levels of thinking. So this means that emotional regulation takes both a very long time to develop and is strongly influenced by our early childhood environment, because this is exactly where we are beginning to learn and store information about the world around us. 
So you can see here that self-regulation or emotional regulation, like many other aspects of our personality is rooted in childhood, where as we transition through the various stages of life and are gaining a sense of autonomy in terms of our behavior, the environment that we grow up in plays a significant role. And this includes how our emotional outbursts were handled by those around us, our parents' ability to emotionally self-regulate themselves, and early life stressors all play a very significant role in our ability to regulate our emotions as adults. And the significance of this is that poor emotional regulation in childhood is associated with the development of anxiety, depression, ADHD, increased risk of drug abuse, um, and violence and risky sexual behavior. So now that we have a general understanding of what emotional regulation means, how it develops, the various regions of the brain that are involved, before we move into some ways that we can begin to exercise a stronger sense of emotional regulation, there are a few very important points that I want to cover with all of you today. The first is the significance of treating any underlying health conditions because there are many conditions that impact our emotional well-being that actually have nothing to do with a history of emotional trauma. And one of those underlying conditions in particular is any sort of imbalance within the microbiota of the gut. So things such as candida, H. pylori, and other dysbiotic species within the gut can actually make you feel depressed, tired, anxious, or even irritable. So it's very important to address any underlying root cause that is contributing to emotional dysregulated states before we begin to jump into trying to resolve things at the level of the mind. Another common condition that causes uncontrollable anxiety in particular is hypothyroidism. And then certain hormonal imbalances can actually present with severe mood swings and irritability and food sensitivities can impact cortisol levels, which in turn impacts our mood. And then various other conditions that cause inflammation within the body can also influence our emotional well-being. So all of these things impact our ability to regulate our emotions because in these instances, you may feel as though you are swimming against the current to keep your emotions in check which is why I keep reiterating the importance of treating the whole person instead of hyper-focusing on one component of the self, because we may be missing a very crucial contributing factor to our overall emotional state. The second point is in regards to individuals who are dealing with emotional dysregulation, who often have an inability to manage their emotional triggers, which can manifest as feelings of frustration, irritability, anger, rage, or sadness. So in these instances, these individuals are very much ruled by their emotions, which end up dominating every aspect of their lives. So for people who are emotionally dysregulated, they may either feel as though their emotions are completely out of proportion in terms of what's actually going on, or that they're completely outside of their control and very intense in nature, which means they're often rooted in a previous history of traumatic experiences or complex PTSD. So what happens in these instances is that these individuals may feel completely entangled with their emotions and out of touch with themselves. 
And then as a result, they may end up feeling ashamed or guilty about the behavior that they exhibited to the initial situation after the fact. So some common signs of emotional dysregulation include overly intense emotions in comparison to the trigger itself, impulsive behavior, lack of emotional awareness, trouble with decision-making, avoiding difficult emotions altogether, an inability to calm yourself down, negative thoughts, and feeling out of control or having a difficult time coping with various life stressors. So I just wanted to point that out because in these instances, we are dealing with very complex trauma that requires more professional support. So what I would like to do now is cover some broad ideas in terms of how to begin to strengthen your emotional regulation skills, in particular for those of you who feel as though your emotions are manageable, but need a little bit more support in terms of shifting out of certain situations. So the very first step, like always, is awareness. But in this particular instance, in order to understand what is happening during a triggering situation, you need to have a general understanding of what your triggers are, what your patterns are, and how your emotions show up for you. So that when a situation does come up, your recognition of it can allow you to shift into a more conscious awareness of the situation. And you can do this by saying something as simple as I'm having a strong feeling or an emotional reaction to whatever the situation may be. The next step is to implement a pause. So this is where you slow down your emotions by taking a step back and giving yourself time to process what is actually happening. And a good way to do this would be to visualize either a stop sign or a thermometer gauge that you can see with your mind's eye gradually going from either hot to cold or just just a shift within that gauge within the thermometer. Because the last thing you want to do is react when you're feeling emotionally impulsive and then say something that you will regret, which will cause you to experience more negative feelings after the fact. So you want to allow yourself time to decompress and then express yourself when you are in a more collected state of mind so that you can use your executive functions once again. So in this instance, self-regulation means think before acting. And in order to do this, you need to have self-awareness. So on this whole theme of self-awareness, another step that you can implement on this journey towards emotional regulation is self-attunement, which means shift your focus to your body and your senses instead. So this can include bringing your awareness to your breath, walking around, washing your face, taking a shower, putting cold water on your neck or your hands, taking five to 10 slow, deep breaths, or practicing various grounding exercises. And one in particular includes the senses. So this is where you name where you are, what you can see, what you can hear, what you can smell, what you can taste, and what you can feel. And this all allows you to help support the intensity or decrease the intensity of your emotions in the first place. The next step is to practice. So this means daily practices such as writing or journaling, sensory relaxation, mindfulness, meditations, working on your own personal development, and any sort of movement or exercise for overall mental health. 
And another practice that you can implement is delayed gratification, which helps you to control behaviors, emotions, and thoughts. And these are all great tools for building up your emotional resilience and sense of self-control. Another supportive step or practice when it comes to emotional regulation is cognitive reappraisal. So this means changing your thoughts by recognizing your cognitive distortions to begin with. And cognitive distortions are exaggerated or irrational thought patterns that are often present in states of stress, anger, anxiety, or depression. And I did actually cover a series on the various cognitive distortions on my Instagram page a few years ago. So if you're interested, you'll just have to scroll through some of my posts to find them, but they are titled very clearly. Now, being familiar with these flawed patterns of thinking can help you to identify them when they do arise in order to better manage your overall emotional state and then reduce your vulnerability to various emotional impulses. Another key step, as you may have guessed, is of course seeking emotional support. So this involves talking about the situation at a later point in time in a safe space with someone that you trust. So for a lot of people, this involves seeking professional help so that you're able to rationalize through your thoughts and implement more useful tools that are specifically catered to your particular emotional needs. And this doesn't include cyclical venting where you're constantly confirming that experience in your mind by talking to a friend about it and then having them add their own personal traumas to it as well. It's more, it's a more focused approach and emotional support that's more foundational in a sense. The last point that I wanted to cover is self-compassion, which I feel I add into a lot of the various topics that we cover, but it's very important to be very gentle with yourself as you are working through any area of life that involves your ascension or your expansion into a higher version of yourself. So just understanding that it's a journey and that it you're not going to resolve it overnight because it didn't develop overnight. So just having that sense of compassion and self-love and understanding as you progress through this journey um, throughout your life. So going back to this whole idea of the significance of having emotional regulation, the reason why it's so important is because when we can ground and solidify this aspect of self-regulation, it gives us a higher capacity to control our thoughts, emotions, and our behaviors. So we begin to show up in life differently. We can handle stressors with more ease, face challenges in a completely new way. And in turn, what that does is it allows us to not react to life. So we begin to live in accordance with what's important to us. And then through that, we have a more grounded state of being in terms of our overall mood, how we communicate with others, how we problem solve and all of the other executive functions that are key in terms of maintaining a balanced state of being. And the beautiful thing about emotional regulation is that it gives you a higher understanding of what it truly means to be confident and show up in life in an empowered state because you're recognizing that you are in full control of your emotional state. So regardless of what's going on around you or the various circumstances that are completely outside of your control that may be continually coming up for you, 
you can and you have the ability to completely change your internal environment to meet the various demands of the unexpected changes that may be going on in your life. So it just gives you a completely different understanding of your capacity and what you're capable of doing. And instead of feeling as though you were just being swung from one side to another in terms of all the various unexpected life events that may be taking place. And with that in mind, let's move right into this week's episode prompts. Prompt number one is, of the six primary emotions, which ones do I express most frequently? Prompt number two, of the six primary emotions, which ones do I have a difficult time expressing? And prompt number three, what situations do I feel most emotionally triggered by? All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed this week's topic. And if while you were listening to the episode, a friend or family member came to mind that you feel may strongly resonate or benefit from today's topic, feel free to share it with them. And if you feel called, you can always leave a review for me as well. And I am looking forward to connecting with you guys in a future episode, and I wish you all a beautiful rest of your week.